You're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate. And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back. Today, you'll learn about the artificial intelligence helping us find and fight Parkinson's disease, new methods for collecting energy from solar panels at night, and how the tiny immortal jellyfish may help us massively extend our lifespans. Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. All right, I have some big news about artificial intelligence changing how we find and fight disease. AI is fascinating. I know we've talked about it helping us control prosthetic limbs and decoding ancient texts, but what in the world is it doing now? Researchers are now using artificial intelligence to both help us diagnose Parkinson's disease by finding cellular markers and discover new treatments to fight it. This huge news for the nearly 1 million people in the U.S. living with the disease. I've heard of the symptoms of Parkinson's, shaking, problem-controlling limbs, and balance issues. But what part of the brain does the disease actually affect? It's found in the substantia nigra area of your midbrain, where it mostly affects dopamine-producing neurons. But the disease affects everyone differently, and progression can differ quite a bit from one person to another. How do we treat it now? We have therapies that can improve symptoms, but the bad news is that they don't slow down or stop the progression of the disease. And while Parkinson's itself isn't fatal, it can cause some pretty serious complications and increase your likelihood of a fatal fall, pneumonia, or choking. One of the biggest issues, though, is how little we know about where it comes from. We haven't had any reliable ways to identify cellular markers for it, so we often only identify it when symptoms appear. Is that where the AI is stepping in? Exactly. The team of scientists worked with a Google research team to profile over a million images of skin cells from a group of 91 Parkinson's patients, as well as healthy control subjects. That's when they looked at these cells with a robotic system called the Global Stem Cell Array, which isolates and expands the cells, then labels different parts of them. The work gave us thousands of detailed images of the microscopic cells. But that's not AI, right? Right. The AI was the next step. Researchers ran the cells through an AI-driven image analysis program that could identify distinct differences between the Parkinson's cells and the healthy ones and clue us in on exact markers for the disease. Okay, that's genius. And the AI tech not only discovered these markers, but did it so accurately that it could even detect variation between cells, which could help us better diagnose and treat specific cases of the disease. So while it is a huge discovery, it's really even bigger than researchers may have allowed themselves to hope for. So what you're saying is we might have just solved one of the biggest problems in Parkinson's research? That's what it looks like. And like we said earlier, knowing the specific cellular markers for Parkinson's means that we can start accurately researching treatments to fight the disease. So often our drug trials fail because we don't have accurate info on what drives the disease. But that might not be true in the near future. Are there other treatments that fail because we haven't found those cellular markers? Yes. Parkinson's research is just the start for this AI tech. If we can continue to use it to accurately assess cellular markers, the possibilities are pretty limitless when it comes to finding the roots of different diseases. Which also means that the possibilities to discover new treatments are also limitless. We don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but the use of this AI technology could be the first step toward reversing or even curing a bunch of different tough-to-fight diseases. (laughs) Thanks, AI. Our researchers couldn't have done it without you. All right, I've got an incredible story today about getting power from solar panels after the sun goes down. Solar power without the sun? I don't know about that one. 
<laughs> well, I do. Researchers at Stanford have found a way to keep solar panels productive at night by harvesting energy from the temperature differentials that we can't see. It has the potential to solve many of the shortcomings of our current solar power systems. Nighttime solar power. Are we collecting reflections off the moon? Not quite. The team at Stanford was able to use their solar panels to capture energy from infrared light that emanates from, rather than shines on, the Earth. Ah, infrared. Some of the light beyond our visible spectrum. Exactly. We can't see it, but we can feel this energy as heat. But first, let's talk about exactly how solar panels work when the sun is up. Ooh, I like this plan. Solar panels work thanks to photons, the charged particles of light that shoot towards the Earth from the sun. When these particles fly into solar panels, they knock electrons loose from the atoms in the panel. Conductive metal plates on the side of the solar cells collect these loose electrons and transfer them to wires where they can flow as an electrical current. Then don't we need those photons that come from, well, the sun to make electricity? Right. And that has been one of the major drawbacks of solar panels. Without the sun, we can't get any energy, and that happens every evening, cutting off our power supply. We've tried to work around this with batteries when the sun goes down, but batteries are expensive, heavy, and they need rare earth metals. Ironically, mining those rare earth metals can have a supremely negative effect on the environment. Why must doing good also do bad? <laughs> well, we might be able to work around this if we collect energy at night and use fewer batteries. To do this, researchers relied on the photons that the solar panels themselves emit. Solar panels glow in the dark? Sort of, but at a frequency we can't see. Warm things emit infrared radiation with wavelengths that are too long for the visible spectrum, but they still carry photons. It's like putting your hand over a cast iron pan after the stove is turned off. The energy still flows out of it as heat. So on a clear night, when clouds don't bounce the infrared rays back at the Earth, infrared energy flows off the Earth in the solar panels and out into space. There's a massive flow of energy out from the Earth, and we can capture that? The solar panel itself warms during the day. Then at night, as the photons leave the solar panel's infrared radiation, the panel cools. This makes the panel a few degrees cooler than the air around it. The Stanford team used a device called the thermoelectric generator to create electricity from the transfer of heat that then flows from warmer air into the cooler solar panels. How much power can this create? At first, the researchers were surprised. Their system created only about 10% of the power they expected. But they realized that the solar panels aren't actually good conductors of thermal energy. It doesn't flow easily through the solar cell itself. The solution was simple, though. They attached the solar panels to aluminum plates, far more efficient conductors of thermal energy. I love how advanced the science is and how basic the solution is. Just bolt it to a hunk of metal. <laughs> exactly. But this improved the outlet to an admittedly modest 50 milliwatts per square meter of the solar panel. But improvements could yield more power. The theoretical limit is about 1 to 2 watts per square meter. So at its most efficient, you'd need 30 square meters of panel to power a 60-watt light bulb? Not a ton of power, but it's not nothing. Right. It could lessen or eliminate the need for some batteries, and it's opening the door to greater nighttime energy production that could be a real lifesaver. Think of off-grid communities that could power emergency systems or essential services at night without batteries. Wait, but aren't those panels emitting infrared radiation during the day, too? I'm so glad you said that. You are right on the money. This tech could be used to improve power generation and efficiency during the day, too. I love stories like this. If we can get power from solar panels, even without the sun, 
It gives me hope for solving other seemingly impossible problems. The power of science. Oh, neither day. It keeps us going. Kyle, did you know that some animals might be immortal? Like, they don't die at all? How is that possible? There are animals that live extremely long lives, like sharks that live up to 500 years, but the immortal jellyfish seems to be able to avoid death altogether, and research into how they avoid death could prove revolutionary in extending human life. How long have these immortal jellyfish been around? Well, its scientific name is Toratopsis dorenhai, and it's only 3 millimeters across. They've been around more than 66 million years since before the dinosaurs, but we didn't start studying them until the 1980s, a blink ago in its lifetime. Wait, but if they're immortal, are they all 66 million years old? Well, just because they're immortal doesn't mean they're impervious to predators like sharks and turtles. Huh? Imagine being immortal and then ending up somebody's lunch. That would be a bummer. Uh, how does it avoid death from natural causes? Well, it all starts with how they develop. Their life goes through five stages. They start as a fertilized egg, then they become planulas in their larval stage. These are like microscopic worms that swim around. Next, these worms attach themselves to the ocean floor and become polyps that develop a digestive system so they can eat to fuel asexual reproduction. In this reproduction, the polyp splits itself into two to create another identical polyp. They continue to repeat this process of asexual reproduction until they form a colony. In the colony, the polyp forms nerves and muscles until a chunk of the colony splits off to become an ephora, an organism that can swim, feed, and grow. Finally, that ephora grows into an adult jellyfish called a medusa that can reproduce sexually. Okay, it's a lot of steps, but it doesn't sound too out of the ordinary yet. Right. But where things get a bit wild is that unlike most creatures that progress through the stages of life in one direction, this jellyfish can actually do the process in reverse. Okay, how would becoming a less developed creature help? Well, if the adult medusa is injured or in really inhospitable conditions like water that's too hot or cold, it drops to the ocean floor and becomes a cyst, a tiny piece of tissue that becomes a polyp. Then it can work back up the stages of development as conditions improve. It's like a butterfly crawling back into the cocoon when the going gets tough. As its life goes on, it can repeatedly move between medusa and polyp over and over and over again. Well, how exactly does it do this? It's called transdifferentiation. Specialized adult cells with a particular purpose can change into other types of specialized adult cells. It's cell adaptation reconfiguring the body. In the polyp stage, the adult cells change roles then reintegrate into the body. How do they do that? If we could figure that out, we could make new kidneys out of our fat cells. That's the dream, but the exact process is still a mystery. Our best guess is that they turn genes on or off in existing cells to change their role. Researchers are sequencing the genome and looking into gene expression, and the work even won them a National Science Foundation award. In particular, they're looking into the genes that are on in the cyst. Those are likely the ones that help with regeneration. So if they succeed, what will that look like for us? Will we be able to regrow amputated limbs? Well, we're a long way away from understanding, much less implementing this knowledge. But the research should help us better understand aging and our ability to fight it. If we could borrow the process to reprogram cells, like making adult cells into stem cells, we could address many common concerns with aging, disease, and cancer. That would be a revolution for medicine. We could heal and rebuild ourselves. Right. It could potentially extend our lives to hundreds of years and provide solutions to stubborn health problems. 
Well, even if we didn't want to live forever, what better lives we could live in our elder years? I'm hoping maybe it could also turn me into a jellyfish. That seems cool. You would. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. Researchers have discovered remarkable information on specific cellular markers for Parkinson's disease, all thanks to a little help from artificial intelligence. This data is a massive breakthrough not only in understanding the origins of the disease, but will help us create more effective drug treatments to stop and perhaps reverse the effects of the disease. Scientists at Stanford have done the seemingly impossible, collected power from solar panels at night. This new technology relies on infrared radiation and opens the doors for greater efficiency in our power generation and a smaller dependence on environmentally harmful batteries. Studying the DNA of the immortal jellyfish may allow us to stall, if not counteract, aging in humans and massively extend our lives. The tiny creatures reprogram their cells to reverse their development and avoid environmental hardships. Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we would love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 